Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have uh, Shante Daniels with me from the Baltimore National Heritage Area. Thank you for joining me. Welcome. Yeah. So tell me about your background. Well, um, it's a funny story because I did not start in uh, historic preservation. I was not interested in history. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's something that comes with, um, with age is the interest in your, your history or your, um, your culture or things that have happened in the past. But um, what actually happened? I had worked um, in California in the um, health insurance services and property casualty business. Um, and then I'm trying to think, uh, I moved out here and then I went into publishing and then I just got really tired of business. Mm. It was kind of, you know, it was just like all about, uh, all, all about the, I'll say the economics of it. I won't just say about money. It's just the economics of it. And um, I just got to a place in my life where I wanted to do something different. So basically I kind of tripped into this. Um, I went on a, like a, I would say like a journey, a spiritual journey. And I said, I wanted to travel. Right. And, and so um, after some real deep thinking, I was like, oh yeah, travel, that costs money. I need money to live on. I just can't travel, right? So um, I decided to become a tour um, tour guide, okay. to something different, add to my, you know, like a hobby. Right. Just It was just, I loved it. And I figured out, how am I going to make money doing this? Um, and when you become a tour guide, you've got to do some research. You've got to do some background, um, you know, reference checking. You don't want to give out false facts. And so it just kind of like, I just kind of fell into it. So then after about six months of doing tour guiding, um, a job came up with the Baltimore City Heritage Area as an outreach and education coordinator. And I applied and um, that was in 2008. And I've been here ever since. Oh, yeah, that, and, that's, that's, um, that's I, I've noticed like in doing these podcasts that most people either like, knew very early on that they were into history or preservation or they kind of fall into it. Like there's no like in between. <laughs> no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, and then there's different levels of um, historic preservation. There's, um, you know, there's just, there's just this a wide array 
of ways that you could go with it. Right. I mean, architects that are interested in historic preservation are great um, story, story keepers or storytellers because they go in and they really do look at the building and what, you know, what it means for the area, what it meant for the community, um, why was the structure saved? Why should we be saving it? Right. So they're great people for research. So, you know, everybody's like, goes a, a lot of different directions. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very true. Um, so so uh, what drew you into history after you started to get interested? Well, I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that drew me in is um, not being from the mid-Atlantic or in this case, you know, we're south of the Mason-Dixon line. So right. um, I think what drew me into it is that I never had a connection with history from where I was born and raised and also the time period in which I grew up, mm. um, how history was taught, what was taught. It, it wasn't the full story. Right. Which is kind of like, without giving away my age, it's about 50 years too late. Okay. You understand? Right. Um, now that's where we are. But right. in my time, it was not about that. So when I got to uh, Maryland and started doing my research for tour guiding or just wanting to visit places, I was like, this place is just amazing with history and history about my people, right. people of color. Um, I was just I was just like, OK, now I'm interested. Now I've been baited. I'm ready to know more and uh, feel that that cavern that was kind of like empty when I arrived here. Um, it also, when you learn your history, it also makes you have a different um, sense of yourself. Mm, fair, yeah, that's it true. Does. It actually does. You know, you, you're kind of like out there. And I was a child that, um, not, not so, oh, when I say child, I was an adult that had been really um, assimilated because of how I was, my education right. and my, um, my work colleagues, I assimilated very well. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not know myself. I thought that, that was the way to, the way to be. Yeah. And for years, I walked around saying, hmm, I'm colorblind. <laughs> and, um, you know, people started looking at me very, um, you know, side-eyed, like, you're not, you shouldn't say that you need to know why people said that and what it means. So um, the whole diaspora of the history right. is what, you know, is how I got here and what I do appreciate and like about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm always finding myself looking even deeper. Um, the other flip side of that is that I'm, I am um, <clears throat> very interested in cultures, different cultures because of my assimilation I'm very interested in culture. So it makes me a different kind of person because I like to learn about just not just my own, right. other people's. And I like to share the story. But the one thing I found out really, um, Danielle, is that um, in some odd way, we are all very connected. Yeah. And very our connected. stories are very, very similar in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And so it makes you a better person. Yeah. It makes you a um, more more appreciative. Right. Well, and um, I think, I think being able to empathize too with other people. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I really agree. And the, the more that I study and the more that I 
research about about it, history and the people involved, I realize that people haven't changed that much either. They're, they're all the same. We've just our technology might have changed, but people haven't changed. No, no, they yeah. haven't. Um, yeah. So. Um, that's kind of like why history, if that's the yeah. question, that's yeah. why. Yeah, no, that's, that's very interesting. I was, um, I was born in Colorado and we moved here when I was in elementary school. So I've, I've lived on the East coast most of my life, but, but, um, the, the, the history being all around you is not the same in the West as it is here. So absolutely not. And, um, so you said Colorado, so then you'll have an appreciation for where I, where I grew, where I was born and grew up, um, Utah. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. you can imagine what my history lessons were like in my, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Classes. Yeah. <laughs> way different, way different than anybody, uh, in, uh, I would say in Maryland. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, just the history of my family. Um, you know, they didn't, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. That's not probably not the right word, but I, they didn't really harp on the past too much. Mm-hmm. And, um, and through research and, and just reading about it, you know, a lot of people suppress right. the pain of, of being a person of color. Right. And they don't want that. They don't want to put that on their children. Mm-hmm. So they just keep it out of their view. And, you know, right. the only thing that was historical in my whole entire life um, as a child was my grandfather um, his insistence that we voted. Yeah. Yeah. That, and and that, that is like the memory that I have very clearly in my head because I wasn't old enough to vote when he was alive, but he instilled that in my mother. And so when I got old enough, she goes, it's your right. You have to vote. You have, right. to, vote. You have yeah. to vote. And that's basically it. And I know that my grandfather was also my grandmother and my grandfather were both card carrying NAACP members. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all, but they didn't really talk about, you know, they didn't right. talk about um, the places that they came from. Right. And they yeah. didn't talk about, you know, the injustices of the world. Um, we just lived. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, your, your, um, your story sounds, we're getting a little bit off track, but I think it's interesting. So <laughs> if yeah. I think it's interesting, well, I'll keep talking about it. Um, your story sounds very interesting, uh, similar to my, my mother's family. So yeah. my, her family, her, her, um, her dad's family moved out of Arkansas. Her mom's family moved out of, of Tennessee and they moved to Omaha and, and they raised their family there. And, exactly. uh, and, and, you know, and it was, you know, even when, when we, you know, my grandmother would get asked about, you know, the segregation of the pools, she was like, well, we just didn't want to go to the pool. And I'm thinking that's, that's really, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that that's what they told you. But <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But that's- that's why history and that's and now in today's world it's very important though but i think and and getting back to what you know getting back on track in in the way that you'd want to the thing that's important is like i said history helps you develop who you are it does yeah and and i think also being able to identify yourself or see yourself in those stories helps Mm -hmm. you feel feel like you have a stake in the society yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so tell me about the Baltimore National Heritage Area. Well, so the heritage area uh, concept is very uh, vague to a lot of people because it's not anything. When you say area, it's not anything right. you can touch. So, um, we have been a national heritage area since two thousand and nine. 
We have been a state heritage area since about 2001, I believe. Okay. Um, and so the National Heritage Area is a, um, it's not the entire city of Baltimore. It is a, a non-contiguous boundary that picks up most of the cultural and heritage resources that are in the city. Unfortunately, those happen to be in a big clump, like in the center. Okay. And, but when I say non-contiguous, then we've gone out and we've reached out to certain parts in the city where there is a cultural or a resource that is historic and that needs to be included. Right. So that's one, that's the, that's the historical part of a heritage area. The other thing is um, creating spaces to tell stories, to identifying a place having national significance. And, and we say that very clearly, national significance. Right. Um, and then when you're a state heritage area, what you're doing is you are identifying those things within your region that are specific to your, to, to the heritage area that are significant to Maryland. Okay. And, you know, if you look at Baltimore, the city in, in its entirety, um, there are so many things that were a part of the national story and also made Maryland a, um, an, a place of industry and innovation and invention. Um, so many things came out of Baltimore that were used by, this, by, by our country. Right. Um, we were once, believe it or not, we were once briefly for about two months, the capital of the United mm -hmm. States. Um, we had uh, extremely wealthy individuals that settled here and owned land here right. um, from, if, you know, from the 17th century on. So Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very wealthy people arrived here in Baltimore because of the, sh the water. So shipping industry started here very early. Right. Um, so these are the things that um, make it significant. And then of course, then you have the war of 1812, right. which defines who we will become um, as a country. Will we remain under the the uh, arm of Britain, or will we be an independent country, as was planned uh, during the American Revolution? Right. So that's kind of like what a heritage area is: is keeping all of that history contained in an area and preserving it for current and future generations. Do you um, do you look at like all of the history, or do you like? choose like a period of significance is it or it's all we look we look at all of it okay. um, yeah I mean we're fortunate enough that we've had two since I've been here two major celebrations um and that's kind of the way it happens and especially if it's huge and it's and, and it's national so like the um I think it was 150th anniversary this the sesquicentennial of the um of the civil war mm -hmm. because the first bloodshed occurred here 
Okay. An aspect of it. The second, of course, well, first was, of course, the War of 1812. So we celebrated the um, the War of 1812, uh, the centennial yeah. in um, 2012. And it was like a two-year program because the, the war began in 2012 when they went to D.C. That's the D.C. story. But then on in 1814, they arrived in the Baltimore Harbor. Oh, yeah. And that's it's the Battle of Baltimore. Or the, they don't call it the Battle of Baltimore. They call it the Defense of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But the Defense of Baltimore was the defense of the United States. Right. Yeah. Um, though we are connected in many stories because you had the theaters that happened in New Orleans. And then you had the theaters that happened in the lakes regions in the oh, Canada, yeah. Canadian and the Canadian border. So it all, you know, it all culminates right here where we are um, in 1814. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrate. So that's usually the way it works. But we celebrate all history. OK, that's 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 great. Um, and I know that the, the tagline on the homepage is beyond the Inner Harbor. And I think when most people think of Baltimore, they think of going to the aquarium and and being in the Inner Harbor. So wow. what do you want what do you want people to know about the areas outside of the Inner Harbor? So um, I wanted to tell you that, you know, Baltimore is a mosaic or a quilt of different communities and neighborhoods. So you have this Inner Harbor and a lot of people that are, you know, are okay with, um, okay with the status quo, call back, call uh, the Inner Harbor Baltimore's backyard, because that's where you play, that's where you have all your activities. But um, the mosaic is what we want to uplift now. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about neighborhoods, because each neighborhood has a significant story within it. Why people settle there, like we have a little Italy, Mm -hmm. Um, we have uh, Poppleton, where that was at one time was predominantly Irish because the Irish rail workers uh, came into Baltimore for the um, B&O railroad work. So uh, each one of these places has its own significant little story. So what we're saying is go out into Baltimore and figure out what's, what's, what's unique to you. Right. What story do you connect to? Um, and most people do because we have... Um, we have the Reginald F. Lewis, which has a, um, a genealogy um, research section. So people that you know, know that their family was here in Baltimore can go and do research there. Um, the Jewish Museum, they have a fabulous research library for people that know that their families came here, but left here where they can research their history. So what we're saying is come to Baltimore and experience things that are outside the Inner Harbor. Right. Connect with your history, connect with who you are or what interests you. It doesn't always have to be the inner harbor. It's right. just that's just one place to go. Yeah, that's um, yeah, I know that we have um, we've explored a little bit around the inner harbor. So we've mm-hmm. we've been to the um, I don't know, is it the Francis Scott Key House? Is that the name of the house, the museum that they have for for the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, that's, that's the, that's the, no, that's the flag house. The flag house. Okay. That's the flag house that celebrates the Star Spangled Banner. That's the actual flag. Um, the place where the flag was sewn by Mary Pickerskill. Okay. Now, uh, Francis Scott Key did die in Baltimore. Nobody knows that because um, the house that he uh, was living in with his daughter um, 
was erected and now there's a church there uh, burning. So on the outside of the church, there's a sign that says Francis Scott Key um, um, lived and died here. But there are so many other places um, in Baltimore that would connect like that. So yeah, yeah. that that's not surprising. But the flag was um, sewn here and um, through a series of unfortunate events, the flag got out of Baltimore and got to the National um, the National Museum um, of American History as a oh, yeah. here. So that's kind of a sad thing. Um, however, um, the Maryland Center for History and Culture has the documents oh. um, around the, the flag. And also they have the um, original uh, manuscript for the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, yeah and that's located here, but they are the reserve the uh they keep all of the history for the state of Maryland because it's yeah. formerly the Maryland Historical Society and they've changed their name. Okay, very good. So so what is your um your favorite site or story that you've you've uncovered as you've been exploring? Um okay. I thought about this long and hard, Danielle. <laughs> That would be so unfair when this goes out on, on the air. Somebody said, the executive director said, this is her favorite movie. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. So I'm not gonna address it like that. I'm okay. gonna tell you what my most favorite thing that we found out in the last year that I would love people to investigate more. Oh, yes. It's a different kind of thing. Um, it's called the Ghost Rivers. And it's a public art installation that's still under development. And it's a neighborhood history tour. So what it is, it's a multi-site public art installation and history of walking tour by an artist. His name is Bruce Willen, that visualizes the lost streams that are buried under Baltimore City. Oh, that's really cool. That is so cool because, and so this is where I gets back to my favorite story because the streams and the mills and the plateau of the way that the water of the streams came in, those were the things that were the economic drivers for early Baltimore. Right. Those streams made power and that power created flour and was able to help with uh, the production of cotton duck. So that is, that's the story. That's yes. the So I really do want people to investigate um, Bruce's uh, project. Um, and research it. And he has a website. Okay. Where you can look at it. And that's um, www.ghostrivers.com. Okay, very good. I'll make sure that that is on our on our site too. So somebody's okay. listening and they couldn't, yeah. they didn't write it down. They can, they can go there and find it. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my newest favorite. Okay. So I'm not going to let you put me on the spot. <laughs> I have lots of favorites. Yes. Yes. So, so um, tell me, tell me about heritage tourism. This is like, I mean, we were talking about that before that you can't touch it. You can't feel it. So what is it? Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the experience of going to a place and, and becoming a part of the story or it allows the tourists to experience that culture that existed at that one place at that one time mm -hmm. and getting information. So we have, we, 
it's not just about the museum experience to go to the museum and, and see these artifacts. It's also about what now museums are doing is they're telling stories that connect to that because those are the things that people will remember, the average person. Now, there are some people that have those very, um, very well-oiled minds that can remember everything. Right. The average person will can't after they've seen a whole you know a whole place. They only remember certain aspects of it. Mm -hmm. So heritage tourism is is that is that process and the and allowing people to go to places that they connect with personally, and getting stories that they can now take home and remember that place. So and they're all over this country, right? Because there are fifty approximately fifty five national heritage areas. So you could actually go to every place and have an experience that you personally connect with. Right. And that's, that, that's what the, the, um, the, the original idea of heritage tourism is connecting your experiences with a place. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a good, I, I haven't heard it described that way, but I think that's a really good, um, a really good description because Play, I think that sense of place is, is really important to tie into that. Right. We can all sit at home and read the book about the Civil War. We can all go home and, you know, read about, um, you know, these great plantations where people were enslaved. But to actually go there and stand on that ground where these things happened, it connects you to it. it yes. Really does. It yeah. really does. It's, it's very powerful. It is. So what, uh, what trends or challenges do you see in heritage tourism? Well, <laughs> you know, I was going to say, you, you got to know it. We got to get out of COVID. We got to get, oh, COVID. yeah. We, we, we do. We have to really get completely out of it because prior to COVID, um, most of, and, and I say my, because they're in my heritage area, most of my museums were doing okay. Right. We had a, we had a constant flow of regional um, and national and international visitors. COVID comes along and I'm talking about it slammed down the doors and nothing. Everybody was closed. Right. All the sites were closed. Uh, there's no travel. It was a huge impact to us, huge. So now what we're seeing is people trying to come out of it and recover see, you know, see what's left in the coffers. Right. Because while they were closed, they tried to keep, you know, their basic staff on board and, 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 and continue their programming. So we did a pivot. We did a, everybody did a lot of online programming, um, but you still needed to either pay somebody to do that. So now let's say we're on the other side of the uh, pandemic it's just getting out of that. Um, they did, we did report from the National Park Service that international travel is going up. Okay. I don't know if that means international travel coming into Baltimore. Right. I just, international travel in general, yeah. is, in general is going up. Um, now, <laughs> we depend on regional traffic, uh, travel as well. Um, now, how, what's impacted that? You can only imagine. Oh, the gas prices. Gas yeah. prices. Yeah. So we won't know um, how everything's going to, you know, how everything's going to pan out um, because we would see most of our travel um, right after spring break. 
then it usually it goes up in spring break, then it goes down because people go back to school. And then you've got this lull period where people are, you know, trying to plan out their summer vacations. Right. And then summer happens. And then we then we know that we've had a fantastic or um, it's just going to take us a while to return back to normal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed that things start to get a little bit more stable. Um, right. Um, that it, over this over this summer. Um, I know, um, at least compared to Pennsylvania, the Maryland gas prices are much better. So <laughs> you can, you can yeah, let well, people the- you know that. <laughs> Well, what you know what did it is that the governor gave us um, a, a tax um, tax oh, holiday, yeah. Yeah. and that kind of brought us down. But we were before the tax holiday, we were at four dollars and five cents some places. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um, inner sometimes we go outside the city, it would be cheaper, but inside the city, it was really stuck on four dollars. Yeah, dollars and above. So that's where we are. So. All of the DMOs, which are um, what they call them destination management organizations um, that follow the trends and do all of the major big bookings, they're having a you know, slow trickle in of conferences and things like that that really help the heritage right. community. Um, but nothing huge, nothing really big that's going to make an impact. Now, Baltimore just had the uh, C, I always say it wrong. C A double I C I double A. Yeah, collegiate athletic in something association, <laughs> which is basketball. Right. Um, they had that conference here at the um, end of February, and they said that the numbers were really good based upon where we were with COVID, because uh, we still had not gotten had not gotten completely out of the uh, you know out of trouble with that. Um, but they recorded like 66,000 people in the city. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. So that was, that was significant. Um, but we just don't have any more coming and doesn't, you know, doesn't look like they're coming soon enough because normally those contracts are signed out years in advance. Right. So we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, we need to get people traveling. <laughs> that's what we, we do. Need. We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Um, we want we, what we need to do is we need to get them interested enough to where they want to get in their car and see something interesting right? Um, and something new. And, you know, people have been, you know, they've been locked up for two years. So they're, they're pretty much ready to go. You just right. got to have the um, right programs and the right events um, to get them inspired. Yeah. No, but, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. agree with that. So um, as we were talking, was there anything that you thought of that you wanted to share that I didn't think to ask you before we kind of do our wrap up questions? No, the only thing I wanted to share is that um, um, I want people to come to Baltimore. I want them to keep an open mind and um, we have great food here. We have great art. Keep your eyes open because we have um the MICA institution, which is the Maryland um, Institute of, um, of Art. Um, yeah, Institute of Art. Um, so out of that, we have a lot of artists in, in Baltimore that do some really cool murals. So that's why I say keep oh, yeah. your eyes open, be engaged. We have great food, we have great entertainment, but that's not all that we have. We have historic sites that are connected to everything and anything that anyone would be interested in um 
all types of museums um, that are fantastic, tell a story, have great um, exhibits and programming. So I just want people to come and, and, and see beyond Inner Harbor, see beyond the, um, the news bites. We're a lot more than that. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. very good. So if someone was interested in um, getting in touch with you or learning more about the Baltimore National Heritage Area, how would they do that? Well, we've got a couple of ways that they can engage with us. Of course, they can always email me, which you have my email, but I, I, don't, I don't know if they want to do that. Um, they can go on explorebaltimore.org. Okay. It's all one word. We have fantastic engagement through uh, Instagram, which is um, be more H-A. And then we have a Twitter account too. I didn't know that. <laughs> My marketing and communication person told me, he said, don't forget our Twitter account. Um, and that is at be more H-A. Okay. And we love people to go on our Facebook. That's really how you're going to get a lot of stuff about what's going on, what we're doing, our partners, what they're doing, because we share our information. And that's just Baltimore National Heritage Area. Okay, very good. Well, we'll make sure that we have all of those on okay. uh, on our on our on our website. So that okay. if they're listening, they need to go back and look, they can. And well, thank you so much for your time. I I I feel like I've learned learned more about Baltimore than I, than I knew before. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to making a trip down and exploring, exploring more, exploring beyond, beyond the inner Harbor. So let me tell you the last thing I want to tell oh, sure. is, um, and this, this is really important. Okay. So on May 13th, uh-huh. um, we are going to premiere a film that was produced by the national heritage area. And it's called voices of a black butterfly. And it connects to Dr. Lawrence T. Brown's book, The Black Butterfly. And it talks about, um, well, his book really talks about um, the shape of segregated Black communities across the city Mm -hmm. from the west to the east side. But what we did is because we're a cultural and heritage institution, we interviewed people from those areas. Oh, very cool. of Of different ethnicity to get their perspective on why it was important, not from economic point of view, why it's important to preserve um, our history and our cultures, our cultures, cultures individually. Right. Because everybody has a different, like I said, when we, like we talked about earlier, we're pretty much all connected, but everybody brings something unique and different to um, our, to our cities and to our communities. So what we're doing is we're interviewing them to really get down into why it's important to preserve culture and history. Oh, very. that sounds very interesting. So Where will that premiere? That will premiere at the Peel Center in Baltimore, okay. which is a new, it's an old building that has been totally renovated and um, it is going to be a new type of museum. Okay. Um, more of a storytelling place. Um, they will have art exhibits, but um, their their tagline is sharing a new light in Baltimore. Okay, very good. Well, thank okay. you for sharing that. About yeah, so we and it's a free event. Um, we just really want people to come and see what what heritage areas are, what what they mean to people, um, and why they're important. 
Well, thank you so much. And y'all, thank you so much for um, allowing me to tell my story and be a part of your podcast. So, um, but like I said, anybody needs to reach out after next week, please feel free to do that. Oh yes, definitely. Thank you. All right then. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.